Welcome along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Snell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm delighted to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Professor John Rady. Professor Rady is an Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and an internationally recognized expert in neuropsychiatry. He has published over 60 peer-reviewed articles and 11 books published in 17 languages, including the groundbreaking ADD, ADHD, Driven to Distraction series with Ned Hallowell, MD. With the publication of Spark, the revolutionary new science of exercise in the brain, Professor Rady established himself as one of the world's foremost authorities on the brain fitness connection, something he has continued with his more recent book, Go Wild, Free Your Body and Mind from the Afflictions of Civilization. John, you are very welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our talk. Well, great to have you with us. So perhaps I might start by asking a fairly simple question. Why is exercise good for us? Well, exercise is good for us. We all know how it affects our body. Uh, movement uh, gets all of our organs and muscles and bones and tendons and everything moving and uh, helps control our uh, internal life um, as well. Uh, what's really somewhat revolutionary is in the, in the last 30 years or so, we've learned that moving exercise, moving our body has a big effect on our brain. Because as I uh, talk about in Spark, our brains evolved to help us be the best movers as we uh, were competing with other uh, groups to uh, uh, champion and, and, and solve the, the evolutionary puzzles that we had. So our brains grew to help us be more precise, more planful, more coordinated uh, and evaluative of our movements. And this really caused our brain to grow very large. And uh, then as we increased our language use and uh, our group size increased, uh, we used this moving brain to talk and think with. Thus, our, when we move our muscles, when we move in space, what we are doing is also activating our thinking brain uh, as well as uh, uh, turning on what we call the frontal executive, which is the part of the brain that has to do with our attention system uh, and also uh, managing our emotions. So what is it that exercise does for, for the brain? Is it about you know, working neurons? Is it about the blood flow? Is, is, it a, is it about something else altogether that, that exercise specifically impacts with the brain? It's, it's both of those and all of that. Uh, exercise causes a, a lot more oxygen and blood flow to go to the brain. And eventually we build uh, capillaries to uh, feed the hungry brain uh, as we exercise. So we make uh, uh, the brain uh, better as well. 
we exercise uh, all of our brain cells. And when we move, we are using more of our brain cells than in any other human activity. And when we do this, we toughen them because we see the brain as a muscle these days. And the more we use our brain, the stronger it gets, the more re resilient it becomes, the more resistant to erosion. And uh, uh, so we toughen up our brain cells. And when we move, we fire our brain cells. And this releases all kinds of good stuff. Uh, releases our neurotransmitters that, that uh, are necessary for our nerve cells to communicate one to another. As well, we release a lot of growth factors and hormones in the brain that are all uh, mainly positive uh, for uh, our, our thinking and our emotional life. And does this apply equally to all age groups, genders, ethnicities, etc.? Or, or is it more effective for, say, younger people or older people? Or what would you say? Well, I think it, it goes across age group, that's for sure. When this revolution began in the 90s, really, in terms of us uh, knowing and, and appreciating how important exercise was for our brains, uh, we, there was a lot of research done on the elderly to try and uh, uh, nail down and, and define how exercise helped prevented the onset of cognitive decline and cutting the incidence of Alzheimer's disease in half in those people who began to exercise. So this was the, the initial uh, flurry of uh, research in, look, uh, if you're middle age and you want to preserve your brain later in life, uh, you should start exercising at, at any time. Uh, but uh, then we began to really look at it in our kids. Um, we knew that uh, kids in general, when they're in school, do better when they have movement into their uh, daily uh, life. And so we began to uh, focus on that. Um, I was blown away by a school system in uh, Illinois, uh, where they had 19,000 kids, uh, and they became, uh, became aware of them because of those 19,000 kids, only 3% of them were overweight. And this was during uh, 2003, when we were beginning to worry about the obesity crisis, especially in our kids. Well, 3% just being overweight is phenomenal because the usual uh, stats those days were 33% of kids in school were overweight. And uh, as a bonus to that, and what got me on an airplane to go there, was that a few years before this, uh, the entire school, or 99% of the kids, took the international science and math test, which every country takes every three years. They took it as a country, which you could do, uh, and placed number one in the world in science and number six in math. 
And the usual scores for the U.S. is somewhere in the late teens. Uh, so this really was exciting that here we have a, sort of a natural history phenomena of uh, kids being very, very fit and at the same time very, very smart, very, very competent, very well, doing well on these exams. Uh, and subsequent to that, there's all these studies all over the world that have taken place to corroborate this information, none so poignant as, as this initial history, uh, natural history experiment in Naperville. But from that, uh, we began to look at all ages, certainly uh, from childhood on, uh, middle age, and uh, uh, and as as certainly was when we approach we approach being elderly, whatever that means today. Um, you know, it's uh, it's shown that exercise it promotes growth of our brain and and resilience and longevity of our brain cells. So, if we take that example you gave there from Illinois. Was it just an accident that that particular cohort of children happened to be so fit, um, healthy, low on obesity, etc.? Or was there a, a plan that had sort of fed into that, which ultimately led to these high test scores? What was going on? Well, the, the, what ha what happened was that the, uh, this innovative PE teacher some years before that, saw that he was very devoted to his kids and, and very good teacher. But his kids were at the end of their t time with him, three years or so, and they had PE every day. Uh, the kids were still unfit. So he decided that, look, I'm going to change things up. And he focused on fitness first for his, his uh, middle school kids. Uh, and they got very fit, and this, but they also did very, started to do very well academically, better than the other schools. So uh, eventually throughout the district, the school district, very large, uh, other schools caught on, and the high schools caught on, uh, and eventually the entire 19,000 kids were uh, focused on fitness first. And as they focused on fitness, uh, there was an obvious drop in uh, of being overweight and the absence of obesity in the high school in the 7,500 kids in the high schools. And oh, by the way, they were scoring at the uh, A++ school in the state of Illinois, where they were they devoted half as much to the students' education as some of the other schools who uh, weren't doing, were, were doing well, but not nearly as well as what the kids were in Naperville. So uh, this was accidental in a way. Uh, no one was planning it. Uh, it was mainly done to get the kids physically fit. And then, oh, by the way, they were among the smartest in the world. How in that instance do you separate causation and, and correlation? How, how do you know that it was because of this particular intervention? Were you able to, to, to work backwards and isolate that? Well, in, in, a, in, a, in the schools, it's, it's a nightmare to try and do anything uh, to, to look at causation. 
because there's so many different factors involved. So it, it was certainly correlative. Uh, but subsequent to that, many studies at almost every age group, from young kids to certainly kids in, in school to adults to the middle-aged to elderly, all improved their uh, ability to attend and learn and take in information and use that information. So in other words, it, but there are pockets, it's not the whole school system per se, so you can't really say that's causal. But uh, every school that has done it shows a very marked change in the school population. Okay, so I, I guess stepping away from that particular example, are there any particular forms of exercise that you would say are in general better for us than others? That if someone were, were thinking about this, they should actually pursue over, over others? Well, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's both and, you know, it's aerobic, it's strength training, it's balance and coordination training. So this encompasses most everything that movement uh, we can do with from uh, walking and walking fast to running to swimming to biking to climbing to, uh, uh, you know, weight training, strength training, uh, balance training in terms of yoga. Uh, and, and so what we've learned a lot is that probably the best exercises are those that demand uh, an, an increase in our heart rate, which is uh, a measure of how much brain activity we're doing, if you think. You know, it's certainly our muscles and our bones and all that and our heart rate, but that means that we're firing away our brain cells at, at the best way to measure. And uh, do doing uh, an in, in improving the heart rate or raising the heart rate at the same time having some kind of coordination or cognitive challenge. That is to uh, get precise in your movements, whether it be dance or gymnastics or martial arts, uh, all of which demand a lot from our brains. And when we make our brains work hard, that's the best uh, outcome for uh, cognition and for uh, managing our emotions. And does that apply equally to, to say the children we've already talked a good bit about, but, but also for you know, middle-aged people, again, whatever that means these days, or older people um, who, who might be, be, be picking up sport? Is it that same kind of in intervention that is most effective? Yes, it, it's, 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 you know, all of the above. It's both and, but you want a pretty steady diet of doing something that raises your heart rate because, again, that measures the amount of, of uh, stress, if you will, good stress that you're having on your brain. So, you know, all kinds of studies have been done looking at yoga, looking at uh, Muay Thai, looking at uh, dance, which is probably one of the best exercises you can do. Um, because if you think about it, it's, it's very stressful on your brain 
to dance correctly, to make your moving, you're making, uh, you know, uh, sculpted moves. At the same time, you're paying attention to music. You're paying attention to you moving in space correctly. And then when you throw in a partner, oh my Lord, that's a whole other uh, stress on the brain to sort of uh, figure that out and, and deal with it. So, that it, so issues like inter interactive sports, similarly, like soccer, like basketball, uh, and, and then the martial arts or, or gymnastics, uh, all those demand so much of your brain, not just raising your heart rate. And when you, you do those, those activities, it makes for your brain to, to be, to, to, to sing, basically. Um, and as there's a recovery period, after you've exercised your brain, it, you're, you're much more able to sit and take in information and think about it and deal with it and come out with a better product. I remember seeing a study shown on television a number of years ago where they got people to do exercise and then tested their creativity. And they had a control group who did no exercise and again, tested their creativity. And they found that immediately after exercise, the creativity levels as measured by these tests were higher for those who had just been on a treadmill or gone for a walk or, or, or engaged. Is it a similar kind of process that you're describing there? It, it was actually done at Stanford and it was a big study and and it was it it really showed something more than just that it showed that after their ex after a person ex uh, the the group exercised for ten minutes, walking walking exercise walking fast, uh, that their scores uh, creatively were higher. However, it was a it 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 threw off the investigators. It 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 showed also because they did one one. Uh, group of studies uh, measuring their creativity while they were walking and one would have they assumed at the beginning that this was going to be oh, better but not quite as good and what they found was that in fact it was better the best uh, mode was to uh, your creativity boosted when you were walking when you were moving and we all know that we say to ourselves, well, I'm, when I'm moving and walking and uh, I think better about things or I have these great insights and certainly a lot of our creative people throughout history have used exercise of one sort or another. Uh, Einstein on his bike, uh, you know, many, many authors on their walking uh, come up with the uh, ways to say things, see things, understand things uh, while they're moving their brains. If we perhaps flip that question I asked a few moments ago around about, um, you know, what is the best type of exercise? Are there any particular forms of exercise that are simply not so good for us? Now, putting aside, obviously, extreme sports that, that might endanger your life, but are there any that perhaps are not as effective? You know, this is always a, a question, and, and one of the things we know is that when you go over an hour and a half of steady aerobic uh, training, 
then you start to spill. No matter what level of fitness you're at, this was done by the Tour de France people, uh, that you, if you go over an hour and a half, you're starting to spill cortisol. That is, you're starting to get to the level where you're, you're, you might be breaking down not only your muscles and your, your bones, but your brain. Um, because cortisol is great for a, a bit, but if you begin to have a lot of it, uh, it, it begins to tear up your, your body and your brain. So in similar fashion, I think that most people would say that we really want to contain it to about an hour and a half at a go. And then you can have a recovery period after that, but then uh, and, and do it again, like so many of our super athletes who are moving most of the time during the day, uh, while they're also sleeping 12 hours or so a day, uh, because, uh, you know, this, this all makes them uh, at their best. You mentioned uh, something like sleep and how for elite athletes, sleep is so important. As well as exercise, surely sleep, diet, all of those sort sort of things play a very important role as well. Absolutely. In my book Go Wild, I talk about uh, the basic uh, business of, of, of the, the basic levers of wellness. Exercise certainly is is one of the best. Uh, diet is so important. Sleep, as you mentioned, but also being outside. Uh, is is uh, is part of what we need to to do to live uh, best, um, and uh, being present uh, either with meditation or with exercise or with uh, yoga or or some other uh, mechanism to help us be present and to work at being present as well, and a very important component of wellness is community, is connecting to uh, other people. And a very difficult time in our COVID uh, world right now, but we have to work at it. In some ways, COVID has allowed us to connect to more people that we've uh, uh, wanted to connect with, but haven't in years. And uh, uh, I'm sure everyone has found that that's, uh, make make can make a difference, um, but yes, their uh, diet, sleep, very very important, uh, as well as uh, nature, and connection, um, and all the things that all the levers of wellness are so important. You mentioned COVID there, and I guess it's probably worth asking then, what is the impact if it's known at this point? of exercise on COVID. Is it beneficial or are we best off maintaining our energy reserves to fight off the virus should we unfortunately get it? Well, when you get it, it's a different story. Uh, you have to follow, uh, you have to search for what the current advice is. Um, and there are some studies uh, or some, uh, a study out showing that perhaps it's best when you get it is to do just that, uh, to uh, recommend not going overboard on with your exercise, but perhaps to maintain a, a lower form of exercise in the weeks and months that you're you're fighting off the virus. However, pre-infection, there's nothing better 
than exercise. It, you know, it, in terms of building up wellness and building up a, uh, a resilience because we need to make our immune system the best that we can. And exercise is a key component of that, of lowering our uh, general uh, uh, you know, uh, chronic inflammation that we might have, but as well as boosting our immune response. And so, and also with exercise and with COVID, uh, there uh, is some indication that exercise can help prevent COVID from one from binding to its binding site in this in the cell, uh, ACE two, uh, and uh, by regulating that with exercise, we seem to or studies show that it, it may prevent then the virus from binding, but especially when it comes to the lungs. Um, that uh, other studies show that with exercise, we release a new, for me, a new uh, antioxidant that's ubiquitous, but I'd never been aware of it until COVID, but exercise causes a release of, of a new antioxidant that's particularly important for the lungs and the kidney to, to ward off infections or to ward off the cytokine storm that one gets with COVID. Okay, so, so some clear benefits. And I guess then to, to sum it up, if you were to, to really sort of nail it down to just a few small things, words of advice, I guess, for, for someone who is living a busy life, what would they be? Is it just get out and exercise more or is it something else? Well, the first thing is to, is to discover what you might like, what, what you might do, what you might come back to, uh, like a sport or an activity. Or a, and, and, and it's so helpful to join a group or to have a partner uh, with your uh, whatever your exercise is because not only is it uh, helpful uh, to have somebody to report to every day or every week um, or and to work with, but it's also the benefits of connecting uh, keeps you coming as well as enriches your experience. Um, and, and this is demonstrable in terms of the action in the brain and it improves the, uh, you know, the changes in the brain that we see with exercise. And if you add in connection, it makes it even more. Uh, and then it, it's, it's helpful because, uh, you know, there are a lot of research done looking at how do we remain motivated? Well, the best thing for people is to not look for the long term, but to look for the very short term. That is to look and see how you feel the day that you've exercised and what a difference it makes in your day because it will, for 90% of the people, it will make the day better and to see the mood change and the uh, cognition change or the awareness change. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we didn't touch on is some of the hormones that are released, not just uh, the usual ones that people are aware of, and the endorphins or endogenous morphine, 
and are endogenous marijuana factors, uh, the endocannabinoids, but it also releases uh, more, uh, boosts the amount of oxytocin that we have uh, in our bodies and in our brains. And oxytocin is the bonding and love hormone. So uh, when you exercise, you uh, create more of this and release more of this stuff naturally, which makes you more uh, likely to bond to one another and makes you more altruistic, uh, makes you more lovable. Uh, all those things are so important. So, you know, the the advice is to, is to get get to it and get to something that you will think you'll be able to sustain and and have a, an appetite for initially, and then pay attention to how you feel after you've exercised that day. Because people make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get fit, all that. And they have this long-term goal, and it takes a while to, to establish that. But uh, in the meantime, exercise has such a powerful effect on our daily functioning that we need to pay attention to that. And that in itself is a huge motivator. Great insights there. Professor John Rady of Harvard Medical School, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Oh, thank you very much. theme song, La La Song, Electronic Beat Time and Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution share and share alike license.